Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, we're Jen and Jess, hosts of the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara. And we're excited to tell you about Strivectin's new multi-action clear collection, which starts clearing acne blemishes in just one week. It's a three-step acne control system, cleanser, toner, and treatment lotion that's clinically shown to improve the look of acne and post-blemish marks without disrupting the skin's barrier. Visit Strivectin.com to learn more about the new Strivectin multi-action clear collection. Subscribe to emails and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's Strivectin.com. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Oteil Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. I'm Megan. I'm here with the whole gang today. We've got Brian, Jonathan, and RJ. And we have a special guest today. Ryan Storm is going to join us today. Wow. It's very exciting. Wow. I know. It's very exciting. He's back from camp. 
This has got to be one of his first public appearances since being back from camp, right? I don't know. I hear he's <laughs> heavily in demand. It's true. Yeah. So he's joining us here today, which is very exciting. And we better get to the meat of the show pretty quickly today because, Ryan, do you have some bad reviews for us? I've got a bad review to read. Um, okay. This is a one-star review that we received recently, <laughs> and we, we love... You brought bad reviews? He brought bad I reviews. Hold on, how does Trey do it? He's like eating like the, the cheese off of his thumb. He's like From laughing. the microwave? Uh, mm-hmm. Fishman's talking about high, high price hookers and the, you know, in Manhattan. <laughs> um, so I want to read this for you all because we here at the helping friendly Co- podcast, um, we dedicate ourselves on, on a daily basis to a regiment to try to be the best podcasters in the niche fish podcasting land, which is deep and vast. And, and there's a lot, there's a lot that we have to compete against. So we apologize if we ever come up short and we want to read for you this review that tells us that we need to learn how to captivate. Um, 15 minutes in, not one thoughtful comment has been made. Talking about being tired and just bantering for 15 minutes. I can't do it. I so wanted to hear the AC recap. Low production value, need training on how to captivate and entertain listeners, not themselves. So, can I just, you know, can I respond to this, Brian, or you go first, but I, I, wanna, I also want to respond get in line to respond. after RJ. I just want to say, go, you know, the Grateful Dead received some bad reviews too. And so I feel like we're in a pretty good camp here right now. But if you, if someone out there wants to learn how to teach us how to captivate, we are here. We will be, we, you can be our spirit guide. RJ. We're open. <laughs> I just want to say that if you, if you haven't listened to the Helping Present podcast for the past nine and a half years, then you won't know that what we do is we talk nonsense and then sometimes we talk about fish. And that's that's the show. That's how it's been since the beginning. And I would say that the production value has gotten slightly better since 2013. And and I don't I don't think we should slightly you know, <laughs> We're we on an upward prepare. trajectory. We're on an upward trajectory. <laughs> That's what we're you know, saying. Anyone who's ever listened to the show knows that all we do is talk nonsense and sometimes about fish. That's all. Jonathan, what what do you what do you say? I just love that we have a respectfully I love y'all's insight. It's not even an enthusiastic. Thank you so much. Respectfully disagree with the commenter. Love y'all's insight. That's it, right there. I have multiple points That's awesome. to make. First of all, <laughs> let's hear it. As RJ said, we have improved our technical sound things substantially. Um, also, I'm good word talker. Additionally, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Um, being on target, staying on target is exactly the opposite of what I'm here for. So I take personal responsibility for this failure, this listener. However... There is a fast forward button on your podcast playing app. Feel free to go bip 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 a couple you know a couple times if we're not getting to the point because uh, we may not get to the point for a minute. And um, you know, as a wise man once said, the journey is the prize. Megan, we're not really here to tell you what to think about AC. We're here to tell you what we think about AC. And one of the things we may have thought is that we were tired. I was you know really what? tired after AC. I just have to say that. And that's because I was working really hard at AC <laughs> to deliver HF right. Pod live events. Yeah. And Incredible. I was partying. So, yeah. <laughs> and sorry I was for, partying. Sorry for partying. So I'm sorry. 
Um, Megan is the newest member of HF Pod. What do you have to say for yourself for not being captivating? Honestly, that one kind of hits hard. I, I feel like my whole I, life I can't has stand really for this. Megan is the captivating to one. be captivating. It's we're just here, and then there's Megan. That's I love it. you, Jonathan. And Megan is. <laughs> it's true. I've been trying my whole life. I feel like I've really failed. So. I've got to work on it, clearly. That BFA in acting did me no luck, I guess. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm well, going to think about it and try harder. On this note, two things. One, if you want to help us improve, we are here for your services. We can't pay you any money, but you know we will provide some bad takes for you to laugh at in replacement for you to make us more compelling and captivating. And also, this is a great opportunity to encourage you to subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts, where you can hear bonus content where not only do we talk some fish, but we also talk about meaningless other anecdotes like what shirts are we wearing? What sandwiches have we eaten? And occasionally planning for the next week that we'll talk about what books we're reading, but never talking about the books. Those are the things that you... (laughs) I'm ready. Those of you who are here for the meandering content and the casual conversation and the tangents, you are our target audience for the subscription type thing, the bonus episodes, because you know who we really are, what we really like to do, and sometimes it is talk about fish. I haven't even done my my treatise on Waterloo, I don't think. Maybe maybe I did in a previous episode, but that's coming soon, too. I don't think so, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm down. I also just want to say that there is a bullet point in our outline that never goes away. It's there copied into every new outline that simply says general discourse about the topic of the day plus shooting the shit. This is our general discourse the about outline. the topic of the day plus it's shooting the, the shit outline. segment. So I'm sorry it's in the outline. It's there. So the just, people who are listening to get to know us. And people who like us, do you have to leave at least we need five positive reviews to counter <laughs> yeah. that one negative review so you guys help us out please yeah, please help us out and the oh. part of the podcast that everyone loves the most which is our ad break is next so who wants to tell us about sunset lake cbd i think it should be jonathan he does a good job okay. telling us about sunset lake cbd I guess I'll go off mute then. Um, Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products for the old deadhead or young fish fan searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoid and anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there is something for everyone. The Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show and cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. All of the flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping directly from their farm to your door. This is the point in which I will now ask Brian, will there be Sunset Lake CBD on hand, or do I need to fly in my own when I come out for dicks this week? I am looking right now at a box about (laughs) yay big. Wow. Wow. That contains Sunset Lakes DVD products. Um, I so am we'll so be excited relaxing for and enjoying it after the show. After the show, on the back patio or around a fire, depending on how we're feeling after each night, um, we will be having some Sunset Lake CBD and some jams, some serious I, jams. 
I'm really looking forward to all of that. And I will keep this here. I know, right? I'm going to keep this here for when I get home. And uh, everybody else out there, so you can recreate the experience that Brian just described, you can check out Sunset Lake at www.sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. They, uh, you will have to provide your own jams, I'm afraid. But we will have a playlist, which I will I will tell you about here shortly. But I also should tell you about, if you find us compelling and entertaining and you like dogs and jams, dogs not included, asterisk, potentially not included, you should come to the Larimer Lounge on Wednesday, August 31st. This Wednesday, like two days from today. For music and conversation featuring Taper's Choice. You see him on the screen right below me. Mr. Jonathan Hart and I will be interviewing the esteemed members of Taper's Choice and asking such questions like, are you the greatest jam band that has ever existed? Are there any other good jam bands that you recommend or should we just listen to Taper's Choice? And will tonight's show pass the Dave test? These are going to be very, very important and essential questions. You can still get some tickets, but they are going mighty fast. I got an update today and went, woo, I don't know what I'm going to do in front of all those people. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to kind of freak out, but it's going to be awesome at the same time because I'm going to have Jonathan Hart there and some Sunset Lake CBD. I get you covered, man. You, you got me. And we got jams. So get your tickets today. OsirisPod.com slash Denver. Thank you, Scott. Slash Denver, get your tickets now. We will see you on Wednesday. The only night point oh in town. The only one. And we also want to tell you about HF Pod from the Dick Slot. There's a lot to cover here, so I'm just bear with me for one second. I'm going to try to go through this as quickly as possible so we can get to the captivating content. But I will say that from Thursday, September 1st through Sunday, September 4th, we will be on lot. Jonathan and I, Mr. Matt Dwyer will be there. We've got a chair pulled up for Mr. Brad Tenbrook. We've got a bunch of special guests. We've got the Mockingbird Foundation. We've got Trey's guitar rig. We've got Tom freaking Marshall. Somebody should be more excited when I say that again. Let's do it one more time. Tom freaking Marshall. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just sad I'm not going to be there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm over this. Me too. Is it like hearing about it every week? So I don't interrupt. It's so crushing. It's just so crushing. I'm really sorry, sorry you guys aren't going to be there, but we will be there with Cannabis Depot, who is Colorado's favorite dispensary. They offer flour from the top growers in the state. You can visit them in Pueblo, West Pueblo, and check out their new store that's opening in Boulder. Visit them online at CannabisDepotCO.com. And just for a final preview of what we're going to be doing, Thursday, we're going to have the gang from Wook Plus with us, as well as Benji Eisen, to do a big breakdown of Fish's 10-plus years history at Dick's and what that venue has meant to them. Friday, as I noted, Ryan Chicherry of Trey's Guitar Rig is going to be focusing on Trey's whammy pedal and what that has done to Fish's jamming over the last 25 years. 
Saturday, we've got the Mockingbird Foundation joining us for a Dicks and Philosophy podcast. And on Sunday, we'll be joined by Mr. Tommy G. Marshall, soft G, who will be hanging with us to talk Fish's Summer 2022 tour, as well as he's going to give us some insight into his last songwriting session with Mr. Trey Anastasio, the bad lieutenant himself. We'll be on lot. You know the area. Shakedown. There's like four or five rows. Tons of stuff happening. I can't tell you exactly the spot we're going to be in, but you'll know when you see us there on day one. Come and hang with us. It's going to be a ton of fun. Should we get wow. to the compelling content? Yeah, let's just wow. bring Ryan in. We've, we're hitting under 15 minutes, and I feel really good about that. I'm already captivated. Under 15 is pretty good. He's right? in. Actually, under, under barely under I would 13. say really, really compelling uh, intro and or shooting the shit, though. I, I will say that was, was great to listen Thank to you, backstage. Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. I feel it's like on that's outline, like. So we have welcome. to do it, you know? And so if you're going to do it, I think we do it pretty well. I feel like it's like the going clear segment of podcasting. Like <laughs> if you can master the bullshitting before the actual content, yeah. you've gone clear. You've reached like level five or whatever. L. Ron Hubbard would have us believe we need to get to to finally make it as podcasters. We're doing everything we can, Ron. Yeah, we we did it. We did a live segment yesterday talking about uh, Goose Show the other night, and I think we spent the first fifteen minutes just kind of shit talking each other about our fantasy goose scores. So it's outstanding. <laughs> there you go. You're an expert <laughs> pretty podcaster. Good. Pretty good. I'm broke down pod. I just kind of try to sprint, and if my like recording exceeds four minutes, then I'm like, uh, I'm talking too slow. <laughs> I mean, if you're like coming to listen to a podcast and you don't expect people to just talk nonsense, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. What are you doing? Go to radio. Go to NPR. I I I I think yeah. I said to Brian the other day I was listening to a 36 from the Vault episode, and I got an hour in, and they hadn't started talking about the show yet. Masters, <laughs> masterful. Like, this is great. It's great. Uh, well, thank you to our reviewer out there who gave us so much content for today. We hope that it was captivating for you oh, yeah. and only you, um, Ryan. While you're just joining us here, can you give the people out there? They know who you are because you're everywhere, but can you just give us a quick rundown of where we can find you on the socials, on the podcasting before we dive into Dicks 2012? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so you can find me on socials at Rye underscore Storm. Um, my podcast, uh, we moved through Stormy Weather, which is kind of uh, my, my fish podcast, at least, is kind of in an inconsistent zone right now. But you can find that at Stormy Podcast. Um, and where most of my content is coming out right now uh, is at AAT Goose Pod. Uh, always almost there. Uh, we have started doing just kind of like what you guys do uh, the day after every goose show, um, a live segment recapping it. Um, we are recording tonight our big summer tour recap episode, which will be out later this week, which is very exciting. Um, but check that out. Uh, always almost there wherever you get your podcasts as well. Um, I have a uh, blog, which you can find at ryanstorm.substack.com, uh, where I do show reviews, jam breakdowns, etc. Lots of good stuff like that. Um, I have a merch store as well, which you can find um, via um, my socials. Uh, the link is in various bios, I believe. Uh, but I just debuted a cool shirt design for the upcoming Tab and Goose Tour. Um, I love that. It's really cool. Check out. Thank you. Thank you. We didn't even I'm mention our merch out. store. We have a merch have store a merch too, store? guys. There's a merch store? 
<laughs> so good at this. Oh God, uh, we're really good. Nine and a half years. One of these days we'll get the hang of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna be able to find it though, because it doesn't. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you where it is. Ryan, <laughs> you Ryan, gotta... welcome back. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on again. It was a long summer without uh, being on HF Pod, and I was sad to have to miss the last uh, 2012 episode in June. Um, but yeah, I'm but you were here for all the others, which was really yes. fun. Yeah, and, and we got to talk one. about your first show, which was super awesome. We did. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Now so we now get to talk, here, about to talk about Brian's insane attendance bias. This is yeah. just, I, I'm going to just... Not, I gushed, that, not that it's invalid. I gushed but. all last week when we talked Magnaball, and mm-hmm. now I'm just going to gush today when we talk Dick's 2012. Um, and next week, we're going to talk about weekend two of the Baker's Dozen, so I can do it all over again. Ooh. And then we're going to celebrate mm. Chula Vista for about two months. No, we're not going to do any of that. Um, but we are <laughs> going to talk about which Dick's Which Chula Vista year is this? Last year. Last year. Can I join in on that celebrating? You can you can come back for that, absolutely. Okay, perfect. <laughs> One year anniversary of Chula Vista. You said two months, so we will be live for 60 days straight, Brian and I, just listening to Chula on repeat. Over and over and over again, that tube, man. That sounds about right. Um, should we, Meg, set the table of where we've been in 2012 as we move into the Dick's 2012 run? Yeah. Do you want to kind of give the context of what we've done so far this year? Yeah. So as we, as we talked about, we had Ryan on twice in the springtime to break down the June, July run. And then uh, we did an independent run uh, breakdown of the August run. I think RJ, you were there for that. Um, what we kind of came to the conclusion of over those three episodes was Dick's or uh, 2012 fish. It was kind of a breakthrough year for the band in terms of, They really expanded the song catalog. There were a ton of rarities that were played in June. But what really piqued our interest uh, in various points throughout the year was this combination of really thoughtful and engaging improvisation and really narrative second sets in particular that showcased the band kind of approaching their shows and their music in a very different way. And I would say going into Dick's 2012 which was my first time at Dick's. Um, I kind of already was on a high about the overall year. I saw a couple solid and then a very good show at Alpine Valley at the end of June and early July. Uh, I personally thought Bader Field, Cincinnati, um, Blossom, Long Beach, Blossom. Yes, of course, Blossom, Long Beach, uh, San Francisco Night 3, and St. Louis were just standout shows that were above and beyond what we'd heard in a lot of cases in the previous few years of 3.0. And kind of coming to this, the band already seemed to be on a high. But as we're going to talk about today, it's in my humble opinion, I think the group might agree with this, but maybe not. And if they don't, that'll be very interesting. In my humble opinion, they take a step up in a way that we hadn't heard them take a step up at all throughout the 3.0 era when they put, when they finished up here at Dick's 2012. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me is just the consistency of the three nights. They all have pretty incredible playing and just memorable moments. And that kind of three night consistency is pretty incredible in 2012. Well, the, uh, I I think you're right, Megan. But there's also the sec the two the last two nights are really the first sets are just sort of like 
really meandering and kind of long and like a bunch of songs that are like three minutes long and you're like what the hell is happening here but then the second sets are just like outrageous it's incredible yeah, it's a real night and day sort of thing i don't know mm-hmm. I guess there that are was, was that the, it's almost like the first sets yeah it's almost like the first sets are like what they were doing earlier in the summer just playing a lot yeah. out of their catalog and the second sets yeah. are like the best of what they did all summer it's weird yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, before RJ said that, I was going to say, like, the consistency is jamming-wise, but there is obviously a pretty large gap in terms of full show quality between 831 and then the other two nights. Um, agree. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, you think yeah. so, Brian? You haven't mentioned I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, the the, off? I, I think... <laughs> Well, I, I think the, the big tentpole jams from the second two nights, Sand and Light, in my opinion, are above anything played on the first night. But as a full show, the first night wins pretty handily uh, in my case or in, in my books. I think you're spot on. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to yeah. say as, you know, the sort of it's funny. I've missed all of these 2012 episodes they've got done this year and I took 2012 off. I like I saw them one show in summer 2011 and didn't see fish again until Hampton 2013. I was wow. just Good not feeling it. Well, when they announced Hampton, I was like, well, of course I'm going to go to Hampton. <laughs> uh, but uh, some of the things I'd heard this summer in 2013 also motivated me. But I did listen. I listened along the way the whole time. I just wasn't mm-hmm. going. I wasn't putting the effort into you know. It Got it. You know, you're not having fun. You shouldn't. You should take a break. So I, I've given that advice to others, and I took it, and mm-hmm. it paid off. Uh, but uh, these shows do show, I think, what Brian is getting at here, which is that they raised the bar a little for themselves when they came into Dicks and. The first night is really strong. There's good jams, crazy theme. What what are themes? That's weird. And then, uh, and yeah, good jams to follow the remaining nights, but really songy first sets. Yeah, and Brian made a really good point about, uh, you know, your kind of fatigue and taking the year off uh, in one of the earlier episodes where he was like, you know, at the end of 2012, like with the way that MSG run went, where it was just not good, like, you know, there were a lot of people worried about the future of the band. Um, and so I, I think, you know, you're, de- you're definitely not the only one who went into 2012 a little bit like, well, you know, I'll watch, but I'm not really going to travel across the country to see them right now. Um, and I think, you know, they kind of they definitely upended that a little bit uh, throughout the summer of 2012. Um, but I think it would take until fall 2013 before they were really delivering on that super consistent basis again. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's a yeah. it's a good point and a good perspective to have, especially, you know, looking at this year as a whole. Well, and you just gave a preview to our next year content when we celebrate 10 years of 2013. And we Ooh. talk about the expectations <laughs> around what they did to Dix 2012 and parts of MSG 2012 and how that bled into the summer. But we'll get to that in about 10 months time. But it's uh, it, <laughs> so. it's good because because this part of this run and this this weekend is that it renewed a lot of people's interest in the band and, and allowed mm-hmm. a lot of people for the very first time. Like there was mm-hmm. this this growth throughout, you know, 3.0 of, okay, they're back. I don't care what they play. I just want fish back in my life. And that lasted about 15 minutes. And then people started being like, what the fuck? What are they going to fucking jam? And then that came back and that started like creeping in. And there was this like tension throughout 09 and 10 
that to your point in 2011 kind of turned to some significant negativity going into 2012. Part of the challenge of this run was that it reasserted that, okay, they can do everything that we thought that they could do before and we thought it was lost. Now let's see you do that every single night. And that has Mm -hmm. been the ongoing challenge of, no, 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 that's just not how it works. And that's not part of the journey. So we'll, we'll talk about all that going forward, but it's, it's, this is kind of that crux of where they were at. This show also has all the things that make like the classic fish shows amazing. They've got like the gag, the joy, the gratitude, the silliness and the great jams. I think that like that is kind of like taking the best parts of what they did this summer and putting it all into one show in a way that's super exciting. It was so fun to listen back to the show. If only they could have found another song that started with E. <laughs> yeah, I said that. Interesting. I, I, I love it's, Emotional it's, Rescue. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I not their best I think cover. that song should be stricken from, even the Stones <laughs> should never have done it. Like, it's not a, it's not really a good song. That's crazy. Uh, too bad, yeah, too crazy. bad Tracy didn't write it right five years earlier. That is some crazy talk. <sighs> Sleeping Monkey is hilarious. <laughs> I think it's it's for the shtick of Mike singing falsetto. Yeah. The 97 uh, Oh, I know were, why they were, do it. I doesn't the, mean the, I I'm I think the 97 it. versions have allowed it to exist forever. Just just that's on the fair. strength of the two I I would that. argue that that's not a good reason. But <laughs> there are much better things from 1997. Like all of the things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, this is a yeah. compelling <laughs> argument for um, tangent. Soul Sorry, Planet's existence my... or not. Um, no, it would be, it would be everything's right. Because that starts with E. That right. didn't exist. We needed that. Right. I, well, I said it's too bad Trey didn't write it five years earlier. Then we could have had that yeah. in this slot. Would have been Here's great. a really interesting comment just based on what we've been talking about here. And I think this is a good way to get back to, to the show. We'll, we'll get to emotional rescue in, in a set or two. Uh, the Dick's bar and standard was first raised and set at the Sunday, 2011 show. Second set, the Guy Forger set. That's when Dick's became Dick's 2012 night. One mm-hmm. is the continuation of that vibe. Um, just to add a little bit more context, I, I have a very specific memory of them announcing the Dicks 2011 run and on Fantasy Tour, which was a lovely little website that I used to frequent a lot around this point in time. If you haven't checked it out, I would say don't just stay away for now. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a great, great cesspool in 2012. I loved it. <laughs> there was a video that someone made that was driving on I-76 through Commerce City, Colorado, two dicks. And uh, Jonathan's going to experience this in about four days. But you just pass by a ton of factories and a ton of feed farms. And it smells bad. And there's like fire everywhere. And there's there's steel. It's like the worst part of Denver that you drive through to get two dicks. And they set it to like, I've been everywhere. And it was this like tourism video about how great Commerce City, Colorado is. And so going into 2011, nobody had any expectations that this run was going to be good. It was the first time they played a Labor Day run ever. It was like in this soccer stadium. And then they came out, they played the S show. The Saturday night show is deeply underrated. That tweezer is amazing. And then to Glenn Russell's point, the Sunday night show was absolutely just mind blowing for the era. All the more reason why MSG 2011 was so bizarre in its, you know, tepidness. Um, <laughs> But yes, as to his point, when they came out on 831 2012, it was like they felt the vibes of a year earlier and just carried it over almost immediately. 
It's so I exciting mean, to think about them setting up like a residency at a new place and it being a place that really inspires them. Yeah. And that was clear right off the bat. Yeah. And that's another thing is like, we're at a point where the idea of like a new tradition in 2012 was not something people thought about. And now 10 years later, there's no way to even consider fish without the Dick's weekend. Like, I don't know how, yeah. what's going to happen when they announce their first summer tour and are like, sorry, no Dick's this year. I don't like think that's, that's going to happen at some point. And it's why do you so yeah, B- yeah. Billy Joel's going to Billy Joel's going to book dicks for Labor Day weekend in like 2025 before fish can get a hold on. Just, it. just to fuck with them. <laughs> just to fuck with just them. To, just to, just to assert Just, I just want to see those melts. That would be, that, that would be, that would be funny. That'd be funny. I'm going to, I'm going to um, send a, an email to Billy right now. <laughs> hey, I got an idea. <laughs> Um, so yeah, can you, can you get banners at Dick's? Is that a thing? <laughs> Just get them to paint it in the grass. Definitely can. But should talking we about jump the into, show. Yeah. Should we jump into 831? <laughs> Let's do it. I was going to say. We're 30 minutes in and we still haven't even talked about the show. It's, hey, it's 29 So captivating. 29. We're getting in under half an hour. We're um, so, the, I mean, they come out swinging with first tube. That's like not. There's not an opener that I think pumps a crowd up more, especially you know opening up a three night run like that. Like I think that was a great call. And also listening back to this, I was like, oh yeah, that's how fast they used to play in 2012. Like it's it's a lot faster than they play now. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of speed in this set. I think um, you know just to set the table here. So this set is first tube, Uncle Pen, Karini, Kill Devil Falls, You Enjoy Myself, Ocelot, Undermine. What does that spell, RJ? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've never been very good at at spelling. Um, Fuck you, RJ. Uh, that's, Fuck you. Very, that's very rude. Um, wow, Ryan, you're a guest here. Yeah. Holy shit! It's a family I show. Say, you have been at camp this summer. You need to wash your mouth out. I gotta. I gotta, I gotta the, uh, to gotta Ryan's point earlier, the the, uh, the the crowd during first tube though is really like amped i guess I, I my question about it is like is it possible to know that the show is going to be that it's going to be a special kind of run or maybe it's because of the 2011 shows that you talked about but you can just I tell the crowd it. from the beginning is just going going nuts they're like so excited and it's just i don't know it's really great um but i i've noticed that that it was like it seemed a little more 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 crazy than than usual um did you guys notice that or is that a just it's funny how it... you can hear the audience on mm-hmm. the live fish recordings enough to know like they're pumped and later on you can tell that they know what's happening like mm-hmm. like uh, you know some combination of twitter and other set listing and people people are ready for it uh it's i thought this first tube as an opener it stands a little bit different f- apart from your very standard first tube which is most first tubes um it kind of stretches a tiny bit and it's a it's a good version and they, they rip it and it's a great start to the weekend yeah the place is going insane uh like every aspect of this <laughs> show is like the bar for me for what is a great fish show and part of it is an opener that may not be the most shocking opener but is shocking enough that everyone kind of lose, like everyone's excited. The band's out on stage, but then they play a specific song. It's not a rarity, but it's just kind of in a weird spot. First tube doesn't open a ton of goes. And when it does, it kind of punches you in the face. 
not punch you in the eye, but just, you know, just like smacks you. And I just remember like this, this version was a blur. And throughout the entire first set, there was a lot of these moments that were just like, I can't believe they're doing this right now. I think it's a message from the band too. You know, they don't play a song like that to start out the show unless they're feeling really amped up. And I think knowing that they had the S show last year, the first night, the crowd's ready for a prank or a gag. So they're like, what are you going to do? And so it's an exciting moment. It's like any great fish show, the anticipation is super high. And they Um, nail it. I mean, this set is so strong. It's so good. This is, this show is what like really kind of, reignited my interest in fish and and probably is what probably what made me want to start this podcast um so that's cool for anyone who likes us and for people who don't you know sorry um but the the carini i want to talk can i just talk about the carini real quick and we're gonna we're gonna debut debut a brand new feature on HFPod, which we actually debuted about nine and a half years ago, which is playing a little a bit of music during, during the show. Um, it's new. I it's new the, for the live. It's true. We're bringing it back. I think the the one of the themes musically is like there's these, you know, throughout this whole set, there's these like driving jams, but they're really melodic, you know. And I think you like we the undermine, you know, is is the is the example from this this set, I think, but I just want to play this little riff that, that Trey starts playing in Carini and see, see how this, see how this lands with you guys. You guys ready? Look at this. Yes. Ready? Wow. You know, that's just like this nice little floating, but then he, he hits the effect and then it just starts like it, then it goes in a totally different direction, but I don't know. I really like that. I feel like maybe that kind of riff or something like it is what we hear like throughout that whole set in different different places. Yeah, I, I think it's the word floating. Sound. I think yeah, I think the word floating is a really good descriptor for a lot of 2012 jamming, especially in this run. You know, they get to that mm. floaty major key space, um, whether it's driving or whether it's more of a mellow vibe. Like I think that's a theme that really comes through frequently uh, in this year in this run and this Karini is also really cool because at this time while it had shown up a couple of times earlier in the year first set jamming is not really a thing like in, in 2012 like this was a big deal now if we get a 20 minute song in the first set it's like okay they got a 20 minute song um but you know it's a big deal for this 13 minute Karini um and to go to the depth that it did so um, not not only is it an awesome jam, but it has a lot of significance as well. Yeah, and it, it absolutely does. I mean, this was something that was almost unheard of at this point in time. And I remember like in the moment, like having to kind of stop myself and be like, they're jamming in the first set off of Karini. Like what the hell is happening? Like get, get a hold of yourself. Um, Karini had this kind of rebirth in 2010 and there were these versions throughout 2010 and 2011 that never really jammed. They always kind of got into like the eight, nine minute mark, but they definitely left Karini proper and they moved into a different space. And, um, the Tahoe version, the Atlantic city, 2010 version, there's a great one, um, from summer 2011 that I'm blanking on right now. I apologize. Uh, there's a great one from MSG 2011. And then there were a couple really good ones throughout the summer of 2012. But this version really kind of took all of those and kind of 
you know, distilled it down into the jamming style of where the band was at at this point in time. And it just was shocking to see them at this moment just throw themselves into jamming. And and initially I was just like, okay, this is the peak of how excited they are to be back at Dick's. Now in hindsight, you realize, well, they needed to fit all of this music into 12 songs, you know, to actually like fill up an entire show. The entire show is like 15 songs total. And having this Karini kind of set the table of like, we're going to jam a ton tonight, really like showcase where the band was at. I think that the song totals is important here because, mm. you know, we were talking earlier about how some of the other first sets are very songy. You know, there are like 14 songs in at least one of these other first sets, which is as many as we have in this whole show. But I digress. Uh, great jamming. And um, can I can I jump ahead to the undermine? Yeah, but, but yeah. because Jonathan, before you do, can I ask you a question? Is this the, is you this may. the first show of 2012 or maybe of 3.0 where the first set was better than the second set? Are there other examples of this in, in 3.0 up to this point? Are we saying that as a thing? I mean, to answer I, I that agree. question, I have yeah. to agree with you. I think it's better. Well, but, uh, yeah, if you don't, that's fine. But I'm going to throw one do... alternative back at you. I okay. mean, there are some really good moments in that second set. There are. But I agree that this first set is better just... It's it's just a compact piece. Seven three eleven mm-hmm. would be the the other show. I would challenge oh, you with. yes. That that first set is 100%. just like, oh my god, what are you guys like doing? Come out with a sword jam. Yeah, <laughs> there's a jammed out Destiny Unbound and a jammed out Mound. Like, come on. Anyway, go on. Mm-hmm. Also, my favorite Reba. Anyway, there you go. See, I'm not the guy to answer that. As far as I'm concerned, this was. 3, 3.0 was ups and downs and I don't have high highlights until really right about here. And then again, starting the following summer uh, in my personal mm. catalog of things I care about. But, um, and if let's talk about this undermine undermined is wow. So this is the longest undermined still to date. Um, and wow. you know, they had jammed it out earlier in the summer, uh, St. Louis, but it was, you know, really tight and short uh, other long version preceded in Chicago in 2011, apparently. Um, but yes. I, I, I'll admit to reading that. I don't, I don't remember that version. That uh, but like this I one is. Sorry. It was the element show. The element show. Yeah. The set work. Yes. Try I, I, I remember that exists, but, <laughs> but I would never have pulled it out of the, my, the date <laughs> out of my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this one is outstanding. I, I was driving and listening to this the other day and it was, I knew it was good. I remembered that it was good. This is the Dick's undermine. Right. Uh, and uh, absolutely outstanding really stands up even today, uh, given all of the other jamming that they've done since in three and 4.0 so far. Uh, great, great version. I mean, this Pure is how you close the set. Just crazy yeah, yeah. jam. And ho is like amazing. you leave people like running out of there and and you just spelled fuck you. So it's just <laughs> such a funny thing. It's so good. I, I do I do want to say I think this is the and and Mike Von Memo made a good point. Um mm-hmm. that the enjoy myself with Trey and I mean they're just it's like I was listening back to it and I'm like, what is wrong with these people? You know, it's like, it's like pure just joy. during the vocal jam, just such nonsense. So crass. It's really fun. 
Yeah, yeah. Really? doing that or the audience Both? loving it? Both, yeah, everything, both. the whole thing, just ridiculous. <laughs> um, I think this is for me. This is like a top ten, probably fish jam of all time. Like it's just, it's so oh. unique and it's so different. I, it's 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 very it's just compelling and and I just think it's really great. Um, Brian and Ryan, I want to hear I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. But can I play thirty seconds of this undermine for those people who haven't heard it? You we can, should do that. You can always. If anyone it. hasn't heard that, it, they the, should be the arrested. One dude. <laughs> hey, for you who's listening who hasn't heard this, here you go. This is one of my favorite parts. I don't know about you guys, but this is where it kind of turns. Brian's bumping his fists. I mean, we could continue this for another, you know, seven minutes, but but, but we can't. This is the this is one of those jams that I've listened to enough that I've memorized it. <laughs> It yeah. reminds me of Linus and Lucy, just that the kind of phrasing of what Trey's playing. It's not that, but it just reminds me of that. You know, anybody else get mm. that? Yeah, there's yeah. so much of this like melodic repeating between them throughout this whole show and the whole run. It's just, it's really charming. Ryan, what's your, what's your, like, what do you think is going on here in this jam that makes it so, so memorable? Yeah, so so we hear this tone a lot. Um, you know, you'll hear from more from Ryan on Friday when he talks about the whammy pedal. But that uh, chirpy sound that Trey's using there is the whammy set to octave up, um, and just you know being left there, um, which is a sound he uses a lot, especially like he's really all over the late '90s as well. Um, but I think it's generally not used in this context as much, which is just this soaring melodic mode, and I think it really really works here. Page's piano also incredible in this jam. You know, he's not using electric piano, not Whirly, not Rhodes, no synths. He's just on that grand piano, just just playing chords mostly, and it's just incredible. Um, just a you know a really really amazing for Trey to solo on top of, and he leads some of the chord progressions in it, and it's just so uplifting, so amazing, and just so good. <laughs> Can I can I say a couple things about this jam? What was it like? Hoping you would, Brian. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I'm going to start with a personal story. It's quick, but um, I am not. I don't know if I don't know if this is surprising or anything. I'm not a crier. Like I, I just, I it, it takes like an insane moment for me to like shed any tears, happy or sad. I've cried three times at a fish show. Okay, and this was the first time during this jam. This. What are the other two? Like. Uh, the 123016 ghost and when they walked out on stage uh the first dick show after curveball was supposed to happen because it was like holy fuck like we could have lost like like it was like we almost lost him it was crazy um so at this point when i was at the show i've been listening to fish for 11 years and they were my favorite band and i was collecting tapes and i was like online talking about them i'd seen about 30 shows I had never seen like a fish show. Like every single person I'd ever talked to had been to that like one show in like 95 or in 97 or in 2003. 
I saw a couple good shows in 2003, but like I didn't see, I didn't get it until later because one of them was my first show. But like I hadn't felt like I'd seen like that show. And then this show happens and this first set happens. And it was like every single moment, like what Memo's talking about when they when they started yelling, We love dicks, and they started yelling, Trey loves dicks, and the audience started yelling back at the band, and they started yelling back at us. And then they like laughed about it. And this is after they've played this Karini that like was beautiful. And then they play this undermine. And I just lost it. And I was just like, I I, I remember having this thought, like, don't fucking play Golgi. Don't play character zero. <laughs> just like put your guitar down and walk off the stage. And they did it. And I got an immediate uh. text message from my brother, my brother-in-law, excuse me. And it just said, fuck you over and over again. <laughs> and my first text back to him, no joke. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hide from this. My first text back to him was, it was a great set, but why are you yelling at me? And then I pulled up. <laughs> The set on Twitter, I realized that they'd spelled out "fuck you." So I, it, it all like the music was so insane that it completely went over my head. Um, two other very quick things: one, about a, about two or three years later, I was with my very close friend John Magar, who is going to be here in Denver in 24 hours. Uh, like one of my five favorite people to listen to and talk about fish with, and we were up at like three o'clock in the morning in his kitchen, and we put this jam on, and he goes, "Have you ever heard the Woodblock?" And I had no idea what he was talking about. And he was like, listen for it. And there's a moment as the jam is transitioning where Fishman just starts hitting the wood block every yes. so often. And it moves the band out there. And it's changed the way I've heard the jam ever since. And then finally. I was grooving on that. You were grooving yeah. on that. Yeah. You, you would so hear good. that. Um, Jonathan's uh, a big wood block guy. Jonathan, it, for he's sure. bringing a wood block. It's true. It's the only um, thing that lets me down on that Ian's Farm 89 show. <laughs> Forgot the wood block. <laughs> The last thing, Undermine Season 3, we did – or yeah, Season 3, we talked about the Baker's Dozen, and I talked to Jake Cohen, one of the best people to listen to and talk about fish with on uh, for, for that interview. We talked for like three and a half hours, and he re- recreates the Undermine, like the exit melody. I highly recommend people go back and listen to it. We played it in, I think, Episode 4, just to talk about the way the band was approaching jamming. This jam, to what everyone has said, like this is one of the most important jams the band has ever played. It is one of the best jams that they've ever played and is one of my favorite jams I've ever seen, heard, one of my favorite bits of music ever. So I'll shut up now. Thank you for letting me speak. Brian, you can talk all you want about any jam. This is this is the place to do it. This is it. <laughs> this is literally here. Should we get into this? Can't do it here. I, I think I think we should keep moving because we're going to be here for like three hours at this rate. I don't think we have much, much to say about the first set. Yeah, I just remembered one more thing. I'm sorry, this is very very short. My wife goes to the bathroom after this undermine, and she's walking, and this girl comes up to her and goes, "Where do we go now?" And my wife was like, "What do you mean?" And she was like, "The show's over. Where do we go?" And she was like, "That was just the first set." And the girl was like, "Oh my god!" Like it was so good that people thought that this was the show. <laughs> that's great i was gonna say that's actually so awesome. before before we go to the second set um brian your point about the first show you attended that was like that show i'm curious what everyone's is uh like the first show you attended that you were like oh that was like that show my mine was chula last year probably 12 30 97 oh okay mrs i've been seeing fish for a really long time and i've seen high profile <laughs> shows <laughs> It's just uh, facts, 12, 29, just yeah, that'll, do it. That'll, that'll do it. it. That'll do it. 
I think twelve. I think Dayton '97 for me. That was just it just it was just too much. Yeah. Even though the night before Brian, was maybe a better show, but but still Dayton sticks out to me. See, Brian, they have the 1.0 clout, but we know we're cooler. <laughs> this is my eternal challenge. You're something. You're something. <laughs> let's let's go to set two here. Set so we got <laughs> Runaway Jim, Farmhouse, Alaska, Chalk Test Torture, Emotional Rescue, and then we conclude with Fuck your face. Um, I definitely thought for a second when they started Runaway Jim that they were spelling fuck you, Romney. And now in hindsight, like that just wouldn't be that funny because like, you know, that Romney was just kind of like a guy in a in a cashmere sweater who just like, you know, slicked his hair back and, you know, it it, it wouldn't have worked. But uh, they come out and they play Runaway Jim. What did you guys think of the second set? I love. We're seeing, you know, as we saw Karini kind of start to bring back first set jamming. Uh, in the first set, you know, Runaway Jim gets his first significant outing since 2.0, pretty much. I think there was one in 2010 or 11 that got a little bit out there, but this is the first really significant jammed ones. Um, and Chalk Dust also, you know, this is kind of the beginning of Chalk Dust's 3.0 uh, renaissance, if you will. You know, it obviously it was jammed out a handful of times 1.0 and 2.0, but was never really much of a huge jam vehicle outside of obviously like it cam to 99. It was more like, Oh, we're going to get 10 minutes of really high quality Mm -hmm. chalk dust right here. Um, And so this is kind of the beginning of, you know, where we'll start to see it really all over 2013 and 2014. It starts getting jammed out. And then we see now chalk dust gets jammed out more often than it doesn't, which I think is really cool. You know, in a contrast from where it was, 25 years ago when it was not getting jammed out very often. So, you know, both of these also being unfinished, um, you know, getting out there. Jim is a great contrast to the first set closing undermine because it goes in a much uh, of a darker tone, um, which is also um, abnormal for this run in 2012 as a whole, really, where there was a lot of uh, really upbeat jamming. So that was cool. Really, really aggressive mic in this jam, mm-hmm. which... He's you know, we heard, it yeah, we heard some assertive tray in the first set. Like, it's really cool to hear Mike um, coming up here. And then uh, Farmhouse in the middle there with its, you know, crazy space jam off the back, um, you know, kind of similar to what they did with uh, Alaska on 11, 30, 19, where they just threw like, oh, we're, we're done this, you know, kind of breather song. Let's throw some space scuzz on the end of it just for fun. Um, I think it's a really cool for, you know, a mid second set farmhouse. I think if you're going to play farmhouse in Alaska and kind of, you know, those spots in the second set, you got to put a little mustard on them. And I think that that like ending Trey does that like really long sustained note. And then they're in this like super weird ambient space. And it sounds like they're going to go into 2001 and instead they go into Alaska. It's just like so funny. Um, But I think it's like such a cool foreboding, like just one of those moments when you're listening, you're like, is this still farmhouse? Which is like kind of a troll. It's great. You know, they, they totally could have gone into 2001 too, because that's also, they could have done it. And what'd you say, Ryan? They could have, they could have gone into 2001 there because also Sprach, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the rest of it, but it could have worked in that uh, slot. But you know, it they played just a, been on a the, lot again. My fish tracking as 2001, which wouldn't have worked out. I think that they, mm-hmm. they, Trey knew that. Trey knew what this would look like on live fish. 
or maybe they had two thousand one on it uh, as also, and then somebody was like, "Oh, like, you know, you know, Just people wait. are going to listen to this, it's and it's going right. to say fuck your twos." <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what do you I, got? Oh, go ahead, RJ. I just want to say that there's one thing that I, I wanted to just point just just the runaway gym because there's a point and again we're gonna I'm gonna bring in advanced technology Ooh. because this happens <laughs> several times in this show and, and actually throughout the run I think where they maybe in previous years like this would have this this would have gone away like this gym and it's like I mean you know you guys probably you, you know what this is like but there's this point where like it's like is is the jam over and it could have been over this is 12 minutes in. I mean, it's really cool, right? But like, I think in 2010 or 2011, this like tra tra transitions immediately yeah. into something else. Totally, for sure. And then they just take They're it so and they patient. pick it back up. But are they doing or they, it, they it on purpose? Or they open it up to think? lose? Oh, it's absolutely doing it on purpose. Yeah, as, like we're not letting this die. I yeah, think. I think. I think. What makes this? What makes this show so significant in that sense is that they gave themselves the parameters and said, we have to fill time. And how are we going to fill time if we have this many songs we can play to spell out this gag? Well, we're going to fill time by playing music. And you're going to hear it in whenever we get to 9-1 um, in the light <laughs> as well, because there's a specific moment in the light. I don't know if you have it queued up, um, but there is a moment in the light where the band is, they could very easily go into boogie on reggae woman. And instead they push through and they get to a segment that they never would have gotten to in any other era. So I think to your, to your question, RJ, I've always viewed this show as kind of like a, like the practice room comes to the stage and let's give ourselves a task and let's see what happens when we do it they could have gotten into these jams and they could have sucked and the show could have been terrible and it could have not flowed instead they find these pockets of really fascinating music and that has this additional effect on the band and brian I'm gonna... i think you're right in the sense that there's oh sorry jonathan this will be quick that there's like a looseness and a, a joy and gratitude that i feel like they probably have during their practices that is very fun and silly and playful and you can hear that it comes through so strongly in this show and it really stands out and i think that's probably why it was such a great show too i, I want to speak to the haters out there because this is these jams are the things that really activated some of them because they would then come back and say well we know they can do it why don't they do it why didn't they do it and they they then use that as a because they just want to complain as a uh, a tool with which to complain like the band can clearly jam in any song they want to jam but why don't they do it well they don't want to mostly because it pisses you off i think um <laughs> Love this runaway gym, and I just want to reiterate the Me point too. that Ryan made on the top is that you know this is this was a song that wasn't jamming, uh, like they had done like like the jam chart lists one from 2011, but it's eight minutes long, and then there's Coventry, so and then there's Miami, and then there's Camden 2000. I mean, it's just not a song that was jamming. And then again, didn't make the jam chart. Well, the next year, and then not again for five years. So it's really like we need more long runaway gyms, but we can always lean on this one because it's really good. Like 19 minutes long. It's the longest one since 
well, since 2003 Miami. I mean, it's just, it's it's outstanding. And it's my favorite part of this set. Although I do like that spacey Very bit. Good. Yeah, so cool, that one bit. But I love this gym too. They also weren't playing a lot of 20-minute set two openers at this point, right? So yeah, this, this was a big deal. These are another like things that are coming back that mm -hmm. you would get a jam usually to open the second set. But it was never a jam like that drowned. went this far. A drowned, a rock and roll, a 14, down with 15, disease. Yeah. 14, 15 minutes, they'd go to a couple yep. segments, and then they would go into kind of this space jam that you hear at the end of Farmhouse and would fade into a different song. And so there was then this like adverse joking aspect in Farmhouse where it was like you're playing Farmhouse and you're going to tack on an ambient jam and it's going to go into Alaska, but it's all part of this larger joke that you guys are playing on us. I just can I just say just chalk dust torture jams, which is the next jam after that set. It's my favorite jam vehicle to hear after Tweezer, and this one started a long run of amazing chalk dust set dicks. I think 2012, 2013, 2014, 2021. Maybe there are others, but it's just it's so fun. 2013 I think is my favorite of of, of so those, good. But, but there, it's just cool that there is like some kind of thing where like it just feels 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 right um in that venue i think that's maybe 2022 is the next one brian what do you think 2015 had a good one but yeah no to your point it was almost like a thing that you could set your watch to each year similar to the gag on friday night that it, it eventually would kind of go away because all traditions are built to die but um yeah, it was kind of like after Dick's 2012, Choctaw's torture every single year seemed to have this like really significant moment in each of the you know subsequent years. Um, and then I think it was in 2016 that it just had kind of a standard moment. It's like, what the hell? Choctaw's isn't going to jam at Dick's? Like all these sorts of things. Um, this Choctaw's... Can I... Go ahead. No, I just want to answer uh, the Incredible Perps question. Uh, does Jim still hold the record for the longest song? And the answer is yes. The 1129.97 is still the record for the longest song. But also, interestingly, in the like top, like the 10 all-time longest jams, Chalk Dust is not on that list. I mean, it's... Unbelievable. It's, longest Chalk Dust is Randall's, kind of, right? Randall's 28 minutes. That's right. Yeah. 20 is pretty good. That's a good one, too. Respectable, yeah. This podcast about Chalk Dust Torture has really taken a turn for <laughs> the better, in my opinion. We, I feel like we really we haven't even really dug into uh, my thoughts on Camden, but I, we'll I think should I we Megan has a point. I think we should should we jump really should we jump to yeah. because so the show ends with emotional rescue, which is like the greatest cover of all time. Fuck your face to kind of put a cap on the show and then grind a meat <laughs> stick because the entire existence of fish is just one big. Dick's joke. Ha ha ha. Yep. Let's go uh, to September 1st. I can't believe you don't. I still can't believe you don't love the Camden Jock Dust, John. That I'm never going to understand that as long as. I mean, it's okay. If, if I live, but I, if I'm telling you years you. later, Wait. that was still not the highlight I had from that. Jonathan. Jonathan, I'm not the only one who doesn't think it's all. It's oh everyone okay, 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 oh, okay, 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 okay. Really right. right. We will be back really... for a bonus episode we'll where we tell Ryan and Jonathan how wrong they are doesn't. about the Chalk Dust torture from Camden '99. We're right. Uh, September first. Talk, talk to your family about this, Jonathan. We're gonna. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I'm oh done. God. My family. Saturday cares. night. Not at all. <laughs> no. I distinctly remember having a 
morbid conversation with a fish fan outside of Saturday night show where both of us came to the conclusion that they just went too hard last night. The next two nights, there's no way that they could ever live up to this. And while they wouldn't play a better show an hour into this podcast, we were here to say that there are some very, 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 very noteworthy moments in nine one 2012. I'll just read the first set here really quick. Run Like an Antelope, which opened the show for the first time since January 26, 1990, 1,265 shows prior. Backwards on the number line because, hey, we played a big opener, and now we're going to piss you all off and watch you dance and smile and hug each other. Tweezer <laughs> in a fluffhead, Roses, Funky Bitch, MoMA Dance, When the Circus Comes, Theme from the Bottom, Golgi, Stealing Time from the Faulty Plan. Um RJ, do we have any clips to play from this set, or does anyone have like one thought that they want to put out about this set here before we go into set two? Really solid tweezer. Really, really solid tweezer. Tweezer's really good. I think and it's great yeah. segue. Yeah. And you can't. Mike sounds like a jam tweezer into fluff head. Yeah, it's it's not it's not even jam charted. And I'll just I mean, say, like in being the in, the, in the venue. Up until Roses started, which is basically like 35, 40 minutes into the show, people were reacting in the same manner that they had the entire night before. So the only real, like, quote, down part of this show is Roses through the end of the first set, which isn't even really down. It's all very well played. But it was the the only... Yeah, it was just like the first 40 minutes, though, like it carried the same energy from the night before and made me realize, like, oh, my God, can they just do this all weekend? Um but getting into um, and a perfectly played fluff head too. You can't complain about that. Absolutely. It was, it was pretty good. It's just, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of songs and like that after the fluff head, like roses are free. Like that's one of the questions I have. I would, I should ask Trey if I ever get a chance, why would you play roses are free for like four minutes? I mean, what's the point? Five minutes, six minutes. If you're not going to jam it, like songs. I mean, uh, Rosemont 2018 was good. So the band just likes to play songs yeah. sometimes. Not every song is going to be like a you know a jam. Otherwise, Boy, did they no. Hey, hey, man, this is in 2012. In 2022, every song can be a jam. That's a debatable topic, and um, we'll talk about this in our next bonus episode. Should every fish song jam? I know where I vote. Mm. Do you know where you vote? Um, no. Set. Two, we have Golden Age, Prince Caspian, Light, Boogie On, The Wedge, The Horse, uh. Silent in the Morning, Mike Song, No Quarter, Week Pog with an encore of Sleeping Monkey and Tweezer Reprise. What has everyone got? <laughs> Thank yes, you. <laughs> what has everyone got what as their this? highlight of set two? Uh-huh. Just Jonathan, a sneak peek. We have two clips that we'll have to play. I think the yeah, horse Jonathan. for me. The horse, yeah. That's the best one. Jonathan, Sounds I'm going like to queue it. up your highlight for you. Oh, good. Well, let me, while you do that, yeah, I will please, tell please everybody. Set it up. It's, it's set actually, it up. it's Prince Caspian. This Caspian is not super long, but it goes hard. It's a great energy totally. in a Caspian, which you need to have in the second slot of set two if you're going to play it there, because there's al- always going to be somebody who's like, ah, fuck Caspian. But they're fuck usually Caspian. wrong. This one's good. And then it comes down into this really cool like space, which RJ is going to play for you in here in one second that leads us to light. And I love that. This is so advanced. I can't believe we can do this on the internet. (laughs) 
Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So trippy. The, the 2012 riding out. They're yeah, so it, colorful. There's no movement. It's them riding out that transitional space ambient jam again. Yeah. Uh, as we talked about for 831. Giving Man. it that room. That's and pretty wild. I advocated for this just, I think, last Monday. I would go for a whole set of that, uh, but I, I don't think everybody would. No, I Brian would I love it. Give it to me. Uh, I think this whole first part is so incredible. Sorry, Brian. The Golden Age, Caspian, Light, and Boogie On, because, I mean, this light, we're obviously going to get into it, but I do think that this Caspian gets super rock and roll at the end. It's kind of like a little premonition of the Magnaball Caspian. It's like, this shit's going to be cool, then, you know, pretty soon. But the light, obviously, we have to talk about. I mean, eventually you were going to yes. say, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just, they move effortlessly into the jam. It's just, there's so much listening between them and echoing back. I think it's just groovy. It has so much diversity to it and there's driving sense to it. Like they're doing this thing that I kept hearing throughout, which is like, they make something really beautiful and then they kind of deconstruct it. And now they do that and they turn it spacey and like synthy, but back then they're doing it and turning it into kind of like Plinko-ish. And it just, it's a really, I think it's just incredible. At the end of it, it's super cinematic. It's, I was listening to it and it sounds like you're like melting into this like field and it's just like this beautiful field of flowers. And then you see something like galloping across the field and you're like, is that thing, you know, is it going to hurt me or is it going to like befriend me? And then it comes by and it like swoops you up on its horse and you're like galloping off. Like, it's just this, this is a journey, this light and it's amazing. And I love it. And then what else is there to do after this? Just dance your ass off to boogie on. So this is my highlight of the whole weekend. I wasn't supposed to give that away. Sorry, but this whole segment is amazing. That was beautiful, Megan. We need to pause right (laughs) now and go very meta here. How the fuck do you not find this captivating? You, your viewer out there. <laughs> with, with that, Did with you that hear imagery? that fucking description? Did you hear that description? Can we can we figure out like can can we figure out the email address of whoever wrote that bad review and like send them a Megan, clip no, of we... Megan doing that and be like captivating? <laughs> yeah. Megan captivating guys. They know who they Megan's, are. Megan's tryout video for HF Pod last fall was was her describing jams uh, a la Greek mythology. And uh, that was <laughs> okay. um Brian, don't tell ever at my secrets. Uh, <laughs> RJ, do you want to play as we're now getting into the gallivanting uh, off of a white horse in a field with the rain pouring down on us? Um, can you play for the us rain. a segment of the light to showcase yes. the journey that we're on? Yes. I can. That car honking. Car honking. 19, right? 19 minutes. Brooklyn. So brutal. I think that's what you want, Ryan, right? 19 and a half. Talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. Um, so, to preview this. Oh, that shout, out, shout out to Shermuth here. That, I think Brian is the reviewer. Amazing. And he sent it as a decoy <laughs> to provide more controversy and discourse. Don't oh, give away man. my secrets, dude. That actually, that's actually. That would be like next okay. level podcasting, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so All I right, have three I words. I right, set the context here. Mercy, yeah. mercy, mercy. That's this that's, pro- that's this progression that Paige starts going into. 
Um, it's a Joe Zavinal song. Um, I learned it on piano like five or six years ago, not having heard this jam. Then the first time I heard this jam, I was like, oh my God, I know that song. Like it's it very exciting for me, but I, I really, really love the progression, how it uh, ties into this really uplifting jam here, but you know, play it. We haven't met oh, how good. We haven't mentioned yet how good Trey's tone is in 2012. Yeah, it's so Brian, tell us how hard that rain was. <laughs> you we know it's bad mentioned... when you can see it on the YouTube. I don't. I don't want to interrupt you guys, but even though I'm not going to Dick's this weekend, I'm, I decided that if I start walking now, I, I might be able to make it. So I'm going to drop or drop off, and I'm going to start walking to Colorado. And uh, if you guys see, see me on the last 70, you see him. <laughs> just pick just him wave. up. I'm going to give him, gonna drop him off some Sunset Lake CBD for him on high on <laughs> I-70. Thanks, thank, thank you, Ryan. Nice to see you guys. Bye, RJ. Thank you, RJ. Thanks, RJ. I'm in the road. I'm in the road. I'm walking. Bye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I want to say two things really quick. One innocuous and, and slightly fun, but, you know, a sharp observational point. And then the other one is actually very intelligent. Um, the first one, Trey's shirts in 2012 were just incredible. Like that flannel. flannel <laughs> it's the flannel what, era. It probably was like, I don't know, $150. Just looks really comfy. But like it was a reliability. He showed up in a flannel. You knew what he was going to wear every couple of nights. You got this rotation down. You kind of knew what he was going to feel like in that shirt based on how he felt in the previous one. I just... I'd like to see the flannels come back. I just, I, I feel there's too much unpredictability around what Trey wears on stage right now. And it throws me off. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's since, since, since the pandemic, it's been like a very high fashion thing. Like 2018, 2019, he had like, or 2017 really through 2019, he had like the red hoodie, the black t-shirt, the, like the white long sleeve. I think like he, he had a ro- yeah. he had like a five or six episode uh episode five or six outfit rotation and it was like oh it's a red hoodie night you know it's gonna be good like <laughs> look you guys know what to expect from me there's gonna be a collared shirt and there's gonna be a collared shirt that's got long sleeves on it that's on top of it and it's very comfortable and a hat and, just, and there's gonna be a hat a various form of cubs hat you guys know what to, what to think of me when i start wearing a different set of clothes every single hf pod live you know that we're doing well um the other thing i want to say <laughs> Actual thing I want to say. Mike Lawn Memo Minio is one of the greatest people in the face of the planet. Just True. in general. Just in general. Uh, in the fish community, one of the greatest people to listen to, talk about fish with. He he does an incredible, incredible job of communicating this band in a high, highly passionate, engaging, and communicative way. He had he said here this comment that I think is so astute. After the Albany Seven Below to Ghost, this light is the next turning point of jamming in this era. Number one, I agree completely with that. Number two, I think the one thing that separates this from it, and I think that it is one of the most important things about this jam, is Seven Below and Ghost are two songs from a different era of fish that were played in early 3.0 
around the time that light is growing and blossoming as this really standout jam vehicle. And if you look at 2009, you've got the Gorge version. You've got uh, from 2010, you have the Greek version. You have the Augusta version. Um, 2011, there's a great version from Tahoe. And then you get into 2012, you get the excellent Burgettstown version. It's really like the song that like the band just grew with throughout 3.0. And it was their one new song that they could play and you knew was going to be on the level of Down Disease, on the level of Tweezer. One of the things that makes the Fuck Your Face show so fascinating is the return of jamming. But a lot of that jamming comes from older songs that are being reborn. One thing that we did not expect in 2012 that is now in 2022 an expectation every time you go to a show is that a new song is going to dominate that show you think about this summer with how many great wave of hopes there were how many great set your soul freeze there were how many great sigma oasis all of these songs to me (laughs) oases all of these songs to me are direct descendants of this version of light because while there had been excellent excellent versions of light the augusta 2010 light 1019 2010 is my personal favorite jam of that year this jam takes that the fish song of early 3.0 and puts it on like a just a, a a pedestal above everything else and showcases the way forward for this band through new material. Uh, Just a really stunning thing that they were able to do this and a huge, huge turning point for the band as they were going forward. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Um, (laughs) I think the only, only, only other notable thing to say about this show is, um, Fishman returned for the encore with a banana, causing Trey to fill time by remarking that Fish almost passed out from rocking so hard during the second set. Therefore, he was handed a banana backstage to revive him. Trey asked the crowd to picture Fish in a dress with a banana before performing Sleeping Monkey. It was... I had never heard that kind of commentary before, and it was was this realization that the band knew that that light really took it out of them in the best way. Yeah, but you know, the set ends with this Mike's No Quarter Week Pog that is awesome. Like, no great version. Yes. At the beginning of the set oh, is great. high highs, but they're still, come, they come in after the middle part and just kill it through that. Uh, it's not jam chart versions or whatever, but that stuff is really good. Agreed. Oh, and then you hear and the No, no Quarter, I think, throughout the next night, too. It, it influences some of the jamming the next night. And this was something we all talked about via text. Like these first sets, they're just kind of their first sets, nine one and and nine two in in most cases. But to Jonathan's point, like that Mike song, it's that Mike's groove. It's not a long Mike's groove. Nothing's jammed out in the type two area. But it's just really played well. And it's one of the things that when you go back and listen to these shows, it's worth listening to them all the way through, even if there's not like surprise moments everywhere because the band just so good. Um, Let's go to Sunday, 9-2. Last show of the run. Um, set one. Cars, trucks, buses, ACDC bag, down disease, bathtub gin, Nelly Kane, sample in a jar, back on the train, rift free, ride Captain Ride, Maze, Haley's Comet, 46 Days, and Possum. Pretty much the same exact amount of songs that they played all of one <laughs> night. 
on Friday. Um, anyone, anyone have anything Jonathan's in particular face. to say about this or? The bag disease is really good. Um, it's not ex- yeah. super extended, but it's really good. And um, love an Ellie Kane anytime, every time. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. It's 2012, so the Type 1 stuff is all great. Yeah. Like it, There's nothing wrong with this set. Mm-hmm. It's just not the second the set. set. Yeah. The, the, the second but then set they is make a up lot for it. more. Play, I mean, like, it's nothing you have to make stuff. up for. It's just like yeah. you get both. You get a songy set, and then you get mm-hmm. uh, you get some jam. Well, why, don't we, understand. why don't we go into this? I'm going to try to do, do what RJ did here. Give me one no, can he do it? Can you handle I, the technological <laughs> power? I have faith in you, Brian. I'm hoping so I can. Great let's, responsibility. Let's see if we can do this. All right, so we're gonna share. Do do do. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. the sand. So before we say, is there any context that anyone wants to give about this before we go ahead and play it here? I think it'll set itself up if yeah, you hit play. Let's play it first. Mm-hmm. That moment is so good. Oh, oh my god! Oh, I, I, it's so good. I think we need to. I think we need to get a clip of Brian doing that. Trey just comes like creeping in with that riff, and it's just, yeah. and they all hear it and just echo it back. It's so good in the drone so good. behind it. Oh. So does anybody else get like a waiting all night vibe on this bit? Totally. Yeah. Sure. I, I mean, it's early, that. right? It's, it's it's a year too early, but yeah. I mean, you know, you get that a lot, and I Waiting think I mean, it's not. This isn't the only jam at Dicks that kind of has a premonition of a future song. Like today, I was listening to yeah. the eight twenty nine fourteen simple for its anniversary, and you know, Trey basically writes No Men on the on the back half of that. Track. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Fuego the the Fuego riff pops up in the uh, Spack Piper from O four. Like the, the you know these things right. are everywhere. Um, yeah. And it's it's really cool to listen to for like oh, that's so many notes written on a for another few years. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I mean the thing, the thing that stands that's... out to me in this jam is just and the best jams of the whole weekend is just that patience again to sit in a space that seems kind of directionless and listen to each other and just creep out. It just the patience and the willingness to to be in that space is just incredible and exciting. Yeah, it's, we've talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning again. Prior to this weekend, they would have the end of that sand where they kind of did the sand type one jamming for 10 minutes and then they faded out. That would have been it. They would have gone into a different song. There'd been a cool 30 seconds tacked onto a really quality sand and there had been nothing else. They wait for like the extra 20 seconds and you hear it fishman still playing that beat and it's just waiting for one of them to take the lead which was always a challenge for fish until 1997 you know trey would 
try whatever he could to get Paige and Mike, especially from a melodic standpoint, to push the band forward jamming-wise. Now, 15 years later at this point in time, they know how to do it. They just kind of had to redo it. They had to refigure out how to do it. And you hear it in this sand, the band figuring out, it doesn't matter where we are, someone can push us into a new territory. And while they're not going to do that every single time, they're going to do it enough. And fast forwarding four months, we'll hear the exact same thing happen at the tweezer from MSG 2012, which we'll talk about here later towards the end of this year. But it's just this, like, it's the patience and it's this idea, this idea of like music being plucked out of the air when it's right. If you just allow yourself the patience to be there, to be present, it can happen. And then they go into ghost. We get the third longest sand, by the way, according to fish.net. Third longest. What are the other this year? Big Cypress Ah. and Deer Creek from this year. So until uh, the beginning of this year, it was the longest (laughs) sand ever. And then the quadraphonic (laughs) toplings got disallowed. And uh, Ah. (laughs) let's not get into uh, that. Then we'll really never end this podcast. Uh, we, talk about that. <laughs> we don't have to, it, it doesn't affect this one uh, so Mm-mm. third longest at 23 almost 24 minutes crazy. really good and crazy. you know fish.net yeah. describes it in the jam chart entry most improvisational to date um you know which i would kind of agree with like yeah people really love those 1999 sands but i would take most of the jammed out versions in the modern era over those totally um Me because too. There's just there's more happening. They're not just sitting on the sand groove for 20 mm-hmm. minutes. As, as nice as that is to listen to, sometimes. It's um, true. And sand yeah, was one diverse. of the first like good vehicles. And I'm reminded of this by looking at the jam chart. One of the first things to really like go in 3.0 at Camden, that uh, 2009. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, That's a great version. I'd also like to shout out the Halloween 2014 version, which is very, very really good. good and has a fantastic segue into Twee Prize. Absolutely. Yeah. This first segment of the second set, San, I mean, the whole second set to me flows perfectly. Mm-hmm. This is, um, I would argue that this is the best set of the weekend overall. Um, it's, it's just, it's the type of set that you press play. Everything makes sense. Sand, Ghost, Piper all flow into each other really nicely. The Ghost has a great segment. The Piper, Jonathan was noting yesterday, it's nine minutes long and it has this very cool final three minutes that are totally worth hearing. Um, The 20 Years Later, really nicely placed on there. Just great new song to put in this spot, which then goes into Lizards. Lizards, when it's placed properly, I mean, Lizards anywhere, I should be clear. It's lizards. Is amazing. It's the lizards. But like when placed properly, it almost feels like the band's kind of tipping their hat and saying, see, we think this is an important night too. Like we, we get this. Um, and then to end with hood and the last song of a proper set of this weekend is hood. And towards the end of it, if you listen, it's fading out and Trey goes, I don't want to go home. And this band had been on the road essentially since early June and had seen themselves like, play a tour that I would personally argue they hadn't played a tour this well, like this great since summer of 2003 at this point in time, Mm -hmm. they hadn't, they hadn't walked off stage, like just this accomplished and you could really get a sense. You get the sense three years later at Dick's 2015 
when they do the thank you encore in the same sort of manner that like, this is a band that knows the same way that we do something really, really like it's always special when they play a tour, but those really special tours, like we all feel it and we never want it to end. And you just want Mm -hmm. that moment in time to continue. And I think that they felt it walking off stage here. I'd like to point out uh, our friend Lawn Memo's comment on this one. First set in contention for worst at Dick's. Second set in contention for best. It's a swing. Interesting. It's a swing. It's a swing. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, yeah, good swing. It. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to shout out this Piper, which is under 10 minutes and yep. really, really good. Piper has a way of you know, covering a lot of ground in a really short amount of time. Like a 20-minute Piper is in exceptionally rare occurrence. I don't know off the top of my head how many times that's even happened. Um, but it's a song that gets there and gets there quick. Um, and just this version like really, really blew me away with how much, you know, cause I'm going in, I'm looking, it's like, Oh, it's nine minutes or whatever. Like it'll be cool maybe, but it was really above average. I think it was fantastic jam. Yeah. It packs a punch mm-hmm. in that, that little bit of time. I just want to note that there have been nine 20 plus minute pipers there in Fish history. What was the last one? 619 2004 from Saratoga Springs, a show that we talked about in depth on this podcast and we'll never speak of again, apparently. Um, but uh, <laughs> I brought I brought some 2004 to the table and it was not 2012. <laughs> let's say that 2012 was a year rebirth, um, <laughs> which is a good segue out of this. Look at how I did that. Um, wow. Well done, Brian. Walking out of these shows, <laughs> and I guess like this can get us into our takeaways, our big takeaways here as we're as we're wrapping up here. Walking out of these shows, I know I had the sensation that. Fish had. I said this at the start. They leveled up in a way that I did not expect. And it immediately sent a jolt of positive energy throughout the community. There was a lot of love and light over what had just happened while also setting the table for expectations that we've all become accustomed to throughout the fish community. And there, there are moments where people will go back to this as, well, they'll never be that good again, or why can't they do what they did here? I think the interesting thing about this run is that it showcases both intentionality but also like the spark of the moment and both of those things to me are what makes fish so special is you never know when they're going to have a great show you never know they never know they may plan for something and it may not turn out that way you may anticipate something and it may not turn out that way but when everything aligns it's something like this weekend and it's absolutely incredible um do you guys have any thoughts on how this weekend changed the course of 3.0 for fish? I mean, it proved to us that fish like sticks. Um, <laughs> kind of, if nothing like, else. It, yeah. This was, this was the second time here. Right. And you know, there've been plenty of venues where they've come back. Right. Not, nothing special about that. Mm-hmm. They made it special. And you knew to expect, if nothing else, that they were going to try to make it special next time. And I, I think it was a, a real statement that, like, you know, obviously along with the rest of the summer, that, like, they're still they're still kicking. 
Like there's still a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're not going to be phased by, you know, a lackluster end to 2011, which, you know, we don't know why that happened, but it happened. And then they came back in 2012 and really, you know, raised the bar. And then they would continue to do so at least jamming wise over the next couple of years with some inconsistency, but then 2015, they really start to hit their stride again with playing stretches of consistently amazing shows. Um, and I, I think that's something that they couldn't just flip on, you know, after spending, you know, the breakup apart and Trey going through getting clean and sober and everything. Like I, I think it was going to take time. And so this was a real big step on the way back to, you know, getting to the point where we can see, four, five, six, however many shows go by with like consistent levels of amazing playing without like, Oh, that one kind of sucked. That's exactly right. Ryan. I, you know, I was, as I mentioned at the beginning, I was taking time off from fish, but I was still listening, but a lot of the shows were play it once, put it away. I don't wasn't interested in going back. Uh, Mm -hmm. Certainly not at that time. Uh, Then they got to this, this weekend here, in particular the first show, and I was like, okay, they've got it, and and I knew it was going to take time for them to have it. I had mm-hmm. to step away and let them take that time that they needed, and now we're all here, um, and it, it really did hinge to some degree on this and a few other few other nights ahead, um, but this was this was the sign that I was like, okay, we could keep listening. To me, I think the reason or the thing that stands out to me the most about this summer is that they're having fun. And I think that they're they're working, like you said, with a lot of intentionality, Brian. They're thinking about in the beginning of the summer playing lots of different songs, playing through their catalog, probably rehearsing a lot to do those songs, you know, which didn't always make for the best shows, but that rehearsal time pays off and that time working intentionally together and having fun together and making jokes. I mean, there were so many jokes throughout this whole summer that they shared with the audience. And that playful vibe, I think, really enabled them to recognize how much fun they have doing this together. And whenever you're having fun with people, you start to play better. You know, they're listening more. They're taking time. They're taking risks. You know, I think that really influenced the way that the summer went and led to this kind of peak at the end. And for them, probably felt pretty incredible after being – out for a long time. Do you guys think just really quickly from Lawn Memo's question here, do you think that this is still the best three day run of the 3.0, 4.0 era? No, I'm not sure. I agree mm. with that, but I, I don't I think know. so. There, there have been runs long. with like, I mean, there, there have been runs with, um, you know, I think better shows. Is there a run that, has more of a lasting impact while being amazing? I don't know. That I think that's a better question, but just in terms of quality of the shows and on a three-day run, I think it's definitely been surpassed a fair number of times since. When, when do you think it's been surpassed, just out of curiosity? Um, off the top of my head, um, I would say... <laughs> I'd like it uh, off the bottom, actually, please. I would say Deer Creek 2021 is a three-night run that I think is better than this that's run. That's 4.0. 4.0. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I will take, uh, you know, I was talking about this on Twitter a little bit earlier arguing, um, with Mr. Ranking Tropaganda, but I, w- I would put Dick's 2017 above Dick's 2012, honestly, in terms of just the three shows. Like, I, I think Dick's 2017 is a more consistent uh, three nights. I think, I mean, 
The jams, I think, are better. Like, I would put the Carini from 9117 above anything from 2012. Um, I think that speaks to a little bit of my real love for late 3.0. Um, but there, there's something about those shows um, as well. You know, Post Baker's Dozen, like, also making a yeah. statement. Very different than 2012, but it's like, you know, the Baker's Dozen wasn't just, like, an isolated thing. Like, we're going to keep going with this. We're going to keep going with this, you know, free-for-all vibe that would only then expand. Um, so I, I think that off the top of my head, I think Dick's 2016 even, maybe? I think I would say... We, we don't have to get into this now because we're already 90, <laughs> 90 plus minutes in this. But over. I don't, for real. I, I got to make dinner I, for my kids soon. I don't, I don't agree with your choices personally. And we can talk about that elsewhere. I would say the only ones in contention are Dick's 2017, Ball, five years on. <laughs> Magnaball, um, I think is the only run that compares Fair. to this. Just in terms of it's festival, it doesn't count. Take that right out. That's a fair that's a fair point. Okay. There's there's a vibe of the festival. Big that, X that, that oh, yeah. Um Mexico twenty nineteen. No. People are gonna Mexico hate doesn't that count opinion. for any it doesn't count for anything. It's not <laughs> people are gonna it's hate that opinion. It's no, arguably not even real. I'm I think based on what I agree with you. I'm not even sure that's a place. It's a sound state. I think I think based on what we're saying, as I'm thinking through it, I don't think that there's been a better three night run since the Dex run. I think when you combine everything in terms of what how the band was playing, when they weren't jamming, what they had to prove and what they did, what they rose up to the occasion to prove it, the fact that you get these three very different shows, the first of which is I would say they hadn't played a show to this level since Nassau 03 and before that Nassau 98. Um, I don't think that they've played a better show than the fuck your face show since then. And then on top of that, you get this light jam that just sets the bar for every peaking fish jam that you will get between 2012 and the end of the Baker's dozen. And the sand jam that is almost like 10 years ahead of its time. Two of the six sets are arguably not even in discussion here. And you think it's, it's for the point. best three nights. And run. like, yes. And, and I do. Like, come on. I would take I, 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 I think, 18 over 831 12 any day of the week. I, I uh, played that game for a while I, and I then go, I realized that was wrong. 18. I would oh. go. Yeah. You know, Lovely. I'm just saying. 3.0. All 2018. Exactly. I think. <laughs> Here's the thing to to your point, Jonathan, because it's a very good point. And I think that this is something that you will appreciate. It's very hard to play a six set three night run where every single set is on par with each other. Like part of the joy of this is the, is the flow is the up and down. And so I think to that point, when you look at this run as a whole, you need those palate cleansing set one of night two set one of night three where you're the, not the there to hear songs <laughs> you're not you're not there to hear them like experiment you're you're here you're, you're there to hear a rock band who then experiments uh, as well i might yes. be but maybe but see, the real problem <laughs> God, i'm gonna love watching shows for this right here is I that cannot we are <laughs> comparing things that cannot be compared true ranking true. is a fool's game 
As soon as you really get point. into it, you lose. It's a fair point. I think that the simplest way to say I, it is this was a great Brian, set. The importance great... is where it matters. Mm. Is this it was important? A great... Yes. Win. Yeah, very. That's it right there. This was an important run in an important time that still holds up its importance. It's also the best three night Okay, you know it's important. <laughs> I think <laughs> you know it's important because I think this is the longest episode of After the 2012 comment, we're shutting this off so far, which is funny because we were talking about like 12 shows on some yeah, of the other episodes. 18, so this one, is one three. of them, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's so, so much to say about these shows. There were a couple yeah. of those shows where we could just though, be like, so. <laughs> <It's true>. <laughs> <laughs> "All right, <laughs> Megan, can you tell us?" Two things. One, okay. are we taking a break on Wednesday? And two, when will you be back to host recaps? Okay. Yes, we're taking a break on Wednesday. We think we gave you enough captivating content today. Last <laughs> <So> we- <laughs> of the week. Let us know. Yeah, last of the week. You could tell us. But later in the week, we've got a lot going on. You know, we've got half of us are flying out to Dick's and are going to be super busy. Um, but I am going to be holding down the fort. I'm going to be doing a recap on Saturday that recaps Thursday and Friday night. I've got some awesome guests coming to join me. And then I'm doing a recap on Monday, and I've got some great guests that will be at the shows too. So the Monday recap will do Saturday and Sunday night. So make sure you come to that. We'll be back next Monday for our regular show at 4.30 for our big summer 22 recap. That'll probably be like five hours long. Yeah. It's going to be a big day of podcasting for you, Megan. You've next Monday was the afternoon and then the entire tour. Next I'm Monday. I'm exhausted just thinking about this. It's like a day off for me. Jesus. Next Monday, we're doing a night four recap. We'll do the 2022 on Wednesday. Oh, right. Okay. Thank you. That's right. Okay. That's easier for you. Phew. Okay, good. That sounds a lot better. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be busy. And I hope everyone has busy. fun at Dick's. Brian, Jonathan, will you yeah, send I'm me jealous. a photo, please? I'm so jealous and happy Megan, we'll be guys. holding it down on the couch. That's Lots right, Ryan. Can't wait. Okay, good. All right. We'll see you Thank you, you guys soon. so much for having me. Thank, Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for being Ryan. here, Ryan. Always we love having you. Come back soon. Always a pleasure. I will. Later, guys. Osiris. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.